Welcome to The Kingstonian, a podcast that profiles individuals who are passionate about what they do for a living, about what organization they belong to, or simply passionate about the community they are a part of. Hello there and welcome. My name is Dave Cunningham. This is another in our profiles of some of the women in town who love to create their own music and share it with us. Our guest in this episode has been singing for a long time and continues to experiment with her art. Here is our conversation with Chantelle Thompson. Chantelle, welcome to the program. Thanks, Dave. Glad to be here. It's been a while getting this particular conversation organized. I know. I'm sorry. My schedule's kind of all over the place. Well, that's but, uh, that's what I wanted to start with. Uh, there's several areas that I'd like to cover in terms of your career. Right. Um, but a few of the people that I've interviewed on this program are singers, musicians, and some of them have been doing this around town for a long time. And I want to talk about your passion for singing. Where does that come from? How do you sustain that, having done it for so long? Right. <laughs> Good question. Um, well, you know, I, I think the probably the passion for music in general uh, started in my home as a child uh, my father's got a huge record collection and you know him jack thompson so radio personality and uh there was always music playing at home and uh before i could barely crawl i was putting vinyl on the old uh 70s stereo and um and it was a passion of mine. And, it, it, you know, listening to vinyl, I mean, there's nothing like it. I still do it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that's probably where it started. I wasn't going to mention your dad, but this is, well. the, <laughs> this is the first father-daughter combination I've had on this program. <laughs> now, in high school, like most people, I would guess, who have some sort of talent for singing or playing instruments, you got involved with a band. Right? I did, really early. Um, even like in high school, like grade nine, I was gigging and making money, really? um, playing shows just in the, you know, community halls, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it, it just, it happened really early. People were kind of pushing me into it. You know, they would hear me singing and they'd say, well, why don't you play with these people? And, uh, it was actually, I couldn't avoid it. I was just falling into these bands all the time. And then we seemed to have gigs and, um. Back then, you know, live music was uh, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what kind of music were you playing back then, or singing oh, back well, then? Well, you know, it was, um, it was more pop and um, some Canadiana, mm-hmm. so folk, pop, blues. Um, covers of whatever was popular at the covers, time. Covers, but I was also writing, too. We actually won, uh, our grade nine band won a... Uh, a high school songwriting contest. Really? And we were on the radio. Students Against Drunk Driving. We, we wrote a song. So that was, uh, yeah, we won a bunch of contests. And then um, after that, I won a, a songwriting contest that I think the, the Tragically Hip, some of their members were judging. And um, they were actually quite uh, integral in uh, helping me get my first real gigs. They gave us a lot of advice because they were the big rock stars mm-hmm. back then. Um, telling us that, you know, copyright, I think this might have been before SoCan, you had to mail uh, your material, your tape back to yourself, and that was your, the way that you could copyright your material. Okay. So they were the ones that, that initiated uh, me into 
the profession. Mm-hmm. So they're quite generous that way. Now, there's a couple of bands that you've been involved with, and I've seen some little write-ups about these particular bands. The first one is Joy. Tell us about mm-hmm. that particular group and how it came to be. Well, another another famous King, Kingstonian that uh, started that band, Joe Chithlin. And uh, we have um, Joe's Mill here, the Musical Instrument Lending Library, in his honor uh, since he passed away quite early. Um, because he believed that all children should have an opportunity to play music, whether they could afford to or not. So in his honor, because he was so well-loved and such an amazing musician um, and community um, supporter, uh, they developed this Joe's Mill Musical Instrument Lending Library. So anyway, Joy... Um, that's Joe's Orchestra of Yelling Yahoos, I believe, if I, <laughs> my memory serves me correctly. Um, we had a regular Monday night gig at the Toucan for like three years running, you know, um, and it was just packed. Uh, and we played uh, a lot of R&B and soul and blues, lots of um, Etta James, Aretha Franklin, um, some obscure, like Joe had this great collection of obscure all-female rock bands from the 70s that I wish I could still get my hands on, you know. (laughs) So we would cover some of their material. We wrote some material and um, had some stuff played on the radio, and we traveled to Russia. Oh, really? Yeah, in in, uh, 92. It's kind of an interesting time, perestroika, um, when, uh, you know, communism was kind of uh, uh, lots of change economically Mm -hmm. and um, people waiting in long lineups for bread and mafia kind of running. They didn't really have uh, venues that were not um, kind of government-sponsored venues. So Mm -hmm. they were starting to open up these basements to try to, like, create these bars that uh, America had, you know. And so they brought us over to kind of... um, I don't know, to get, to, just to hear what we were doing. Like some people there had never heard R&B and soul, so they just came out to um, to see what we were wearing and, and what we were doing. And it was interesting. It was, uh, you know, we were on the Russian trains, and uh, it was uh, pretty risky, actually, when I think I back. I don't think so. <laughs> it was an unstable time, I would It guess. was very unstable. Good time for but rock you and roll. anyway. Right? That's what it's all about. <laughs> We're used to that. Artists are used to instability. We were fine. This is true. (laughs) And some of them never get over it. (laughs) No, I know. And it's, you know, what can you do? I mean, it's, 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 it's money or art a lot of the time. And sometimes you're lucky and these things combine, you know, Mm -hmm. but. I have a question on that coming up in a bit, but um, Directions is another band. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> when I uh, I moved to um, Toronto and I went to um, OCAD, I went to an art school. That was after I was here at Queen's. Actually, I, yeah, so I went to Queen's here. I got my uh, BA in uh, philosophy. Um, and then I, I just a few years ago, I got my um, teacher's degree here as well. So I am an alumni of Queen's. Um, but yeah, I went off to Toronto and I went to OCAD, did an art degree. And part of that was uh, performance art, and I was kind of experimenting with uh, music, with different uh, approaches. Some musicians, uh, Benji uh, Prozen and Jason Kennemy, that I knew in Kingston, had uh, moved to Toronto, and um, 
we thought we'd get together and um, created this uh, seven-piece fusion band based on the music of uh, Miles Davis, um, his uh, Bitches Brew era, sort of modal modal jazz, Mm -hmm. but also mixed with... um, um, some of the like Sade, a kind of a soulful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it, and it was all original material, and we became actually quite popular in Toronto. Um, we uh, DJ started re- remixing our stuff, and so we had uh, we we played the Montreal Jazz Festival, and we had a little label in the UK, and we. Um, Sold a lot of vinyl in in Japan and England, and then we went over to England and played a really nice gig at the uh, Jazz Cafe in London, England. We had a sold-out show, and we were on pick of the London Times. And, you know, so Directions had a nice little um, career because we we were a jazz band, but we were also popular in the dance music venues because Mm -hmm. of all the DJ remixes. So, Um, And we still have – I still have some – songs that are re-released like through other DJs in England that have um uh, that keep playing that they they do remixes and I still have to actually <laughs> find out where the money's going <laughs> for that stuff but it's nice that they like it you know and then <laughs> they might they might get a call from me someday <laughs> that's right when I get my lawyer no. an invoice yeah <laughs> For music rendered and not paid for. Was jazz something you always had an indication or leaning towards when you were doing some of the earlier gigs that you were doing? Well, you know, it's funny. I was trying to think back where, you know, where did that start? And I think um, my father had some Jobim records that I remember in high school. I played constantly. So... Definitely the bossa nova was something that... Girl from I, Ipanema, yeah. Yeah, and and all of this obscure ones, too. It's just the whole sound of, um, you know, the percussion and these kind of interesting harmonics based on these common tones and just the very sort of mellow, uh, groovy vibe of it. I really liked. Um, and then, uh, you know, as I was... Like, with directions, I wasn't a trained musician. Um, and yet... We were playing the Montreal Jazz Festival, and I thought, hmm, I should really figure out what I'm doing. Because I, w- I was just learning by ear. Mm-hmm. So, um, and my my songwriting was becoming maybe more um, with the poetry. It's a little more complex, and I think it required um, arrangements and uh, you know things that, w- that suited that, that were more complex. Plus, my taste in music was international mm-hmm. and jazz really encompasses almost every kind of music so that was a nice place plus the performance art aspect of it like you can really go far out with jazz so um it seemed to have everything that that i liked and so it seemed like a natural um pathway to take and so i really got my schooling when i moved to new york um i was there for about eight years and just went to all the clubs and saw as many of the greats that I could and um, hung out with a few legendary musicians that had that played with Chet Baker and had all these stories and um, so you know it's a it's it's a big learning curve and it's a lifetime pursuit which I like and so I'm still I just trying to learn as much as I can now that I'm back in Kingston I just recently uh, sought out a great 
vocal teacher in Montreal, so I go there every Friday and just try to keep learning, try to keep improving because there's so much, so much to learn and so many ways to express yourself, you know. And it's like anything else in life. If you don't continue to learn, you stand still, and if you stand still, you're falling back. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's what keeps you young and fresh and present and alive and uh, energetically, uh, you know, just in tune. So, yeah, everybody, <laughs> it's never too late. Go back to school. <laughs> Let's get back to writing your own songs. Mm-hmm. Do you write the music of your own songs as well as the lyrics, or do you typically use a collaborator? Well, I've done both. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so uh, years ago, I was definitely doing the music um, and the lyrics, and then as I got into you know playing with Seven Piece and living in Toronto, and there's all these great musicians, I did a lot of collaborating, which is great because you you share the victories and you help each other through the challenges. Um, now that I'm in a smaller town, there's still wonderful, amazing, world-class uh, musicians here, but, you know, sometimes they're busy because we have a bit of a smaller pool. And so I have recently um, focused on taking up uh, different instruments, so I'm learning oh. to play. Uh, I'm playing piano more. So I've actually started to teach myself the songs that I was writing with others to play them on piano just for myself. And um, I'm taking guitar lessons. And I am also doing a lot of drumming, which I'm really excited about. I've been working with uh, Rich Bannard, who is uh, just a jazz drum master here in town. And we've actually been doing duets together with just vocals and drums, Um, which is, you know, interesting because this is kind of the way that humans started making music. Indigenous cultures all around the world have, um, you know, this is quite a tradition. And yet uh, in jazz, you don't hear it very much, just vocals and drums, right? And especially uh, vocals and drums together. So I'm playing percussion and singing at the same time. And then... um, Rich is also playing drums. So we've been putting pieces together that way. And I've played uh, two shows lately doing that. And it's been a real hit. And I've had so much fun. So now I'm exploring uh, the rhythm um, perspective on music and how that affects everything. And it's huge. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, the last few years I've been just dealing with harmony and I mean, I've, you know, rhythm's been a part of it, but once you become really conscientious of, of rhythm, there's so much to it mm-hmm. because life is all about the pulse of everything. Right. So it's, it's fascinating. Here's a question for you. When you are picking a song to sing or a song to write for that matter, mm-hmm. do you pick it because this is a song that will please you mm. or a song that will get you noticed? Oh, well, I never, I never pick a song to get me noticed. <laughs> I am really anti uh, <laughs> spotlight. This is why I, I never post things on Facebook. I'm kind of really shy, actually, but I do want people to come to my shows. <laughs> well. But um, yeah, no, I don't. I, I, I usually pick songs that are. Uh, I usually try to have some challenging ones because um, I like to punish myself. <laughs> 
So I'm always trying to learn something new. So I usually have something in my repertoire that's a little bit challenging so I can feel like I've uh, accomplished something. Um, But, you know, it's not all about challenge. I mean, I was just reading a quote uh, recently, I think it was Charles Mingus talked about the uh, simplicity in Bach. And um, when you make things really simple, but in good, simple, um, that's, uh, it's, it can be the most beautiful. And I think he was trying to say that his compositions and Bach's compositions, when you look at the micro, it seems simple, but it's, it's when you put all of these things together, it becomes a beautiful balanced piece. So, you know, I, so I'm looking for beauty. I'm looking for uh, poetry. I'm looking for a connection that I have personally so that I, so you're lifting the experience on the stage. You are being very present with the experience as if it's a lived one that you're feeling at the moment. And then also the, just the people I'm playing with. Who? What's the arrangement? Is there piano? Is there guitar? Uh, does this person like like this kind of style? Like is this, you know, if I'm working with Rich, obviously the percussion is going to be um, important. And so I do my arrangements based on that as well, my sets. I'm looking at it from a listener's perspective mm-hmm. and from uh, what you've described, a lot of what you're doing is experimentation in the mm-hmm. sense that you are trying new things and mm-hmm. you are bringing new people into the mix and, yeah. and adding new instrumentation mm-hmm. or rhythm or whatever the case mm-hmm. may happen to mm-hmm. be. From the perspective of the listener, when the yeah. listener goes to see you perform, right. uh, is the listener going to see? Do you have a label that people assign to you Mm. when they go to a show? So when you pull out something that is more experimental, by and large, do you find your audience open to what you're doing? Well, you know what? Surprisingly, yes. Mm -hmm. And I I usually get these warnings from people like, what do you want to do that for? But then, you know, when (laughs) when you do it on stage, I find that actually people are interested, you know. We, we we have this idea that people just want to hear what they know. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily true. And um, what makes live music interesting is the little element of risk, right? Mm-hmm. So when you've got the experimental music, um, you know, like if you if if you've spent enough time with it. It's never really experimental. You're pulling from your wealth of knowledge. Right. Right? So um, this is a little acrobatics. It's like going to the circus, you know? Um, but like also, there's, an example, there's an example here. Yeah. If we go to the cabaret series that Cliff Edwards does in Gananoque oh, during yeah. the winter. Yeah. We just so, did one, actually. We did the Leonard Cohen that's right. tribute. Yeah. I was there. And they, uh, a lot of the times what he will do is he will... Uh, take songs by well-established artists mm-hmm. and and redo those songs, yep. generally in the style in which they were originally recorded. Right. So when he did the Leonard Cohen Tower of Song mm-hmm. show, yeah. there was poetry that was read. Yeah. There was different instrumentation than he would normally use. So uh-huh. in my mind, for him, that was an experiment. It was. Yeah. And I also, he said, what songs do you want to do? And I said, well, I'd like to try A Singer Must Die. And then everyone was like, what do you want to do that one for? That's that's hard. But you know what? People rise to the occasion and, and what's, it just makes it interesting. It's like, yeah, we're going to do Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do this really obscure piece with lots of strange harmonies, but it's actually very cool and beautiful. And you're going to walk away going, wow, I never heard that one before. Mm-hmm. You know, just give you something new along with something that's well-loved and well-tested, mm-hmm. you know. 
I think one of the things that I found out over the last couple of years, and I mentioned this when I was talking with someone else, is that there are, are an awful lot of very talented people in this area who perform. Yes. And I think most of us, and I'm talking about the listeners mm-hmm. and, and the people who sit in the chairs, mm-hmm. don't get out often enough right. to see these shows, to yeah. enjoy mm-hmm. the performances by the people who really know what they're doing. Yeah, I know. It's, um, I hope that will change. Um, and there are lots of people that do come out and support and it's wonderful. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the younger generation is maybe used to getting their stuff on the computer and, uh, but, um, I don't know. There's, there's lots of reasons to come see a show live and it's the whole community. It's the whole feeling of, of collectively experiencing something that makes you happy Mm -hmm. or makes you cry or makes you dance, you know? Talk about making you happy. In terms of venues when you mm-hmm. perform, what sort of venue mm. really works for you? Like a bar or a concert hall or a small <coughs> room? or You know, it depends on the kind of show with, the, with whoever I'm playing with because each, each show probably requires a different kind of venue. And, um, and I also, in the small town here, you got to be careful about naming any... <laughs> Yeah, I know so many bookers and stuff here too. Um, there's a lot of cool venues. Like, there's a lot of uh, different kinds of venues in Kingston now. Mm-hmm. And I've heard someone say, "Well, how are we going to support all these venues?" And actually, I think when you have more venues, people go out more mm-hmm. because um, you just think you feel like, "Wow, there's a lot going on. I better get out there and, and check it out." Um, but you know, I, I do, I do like the the theater. Um, I like the, the, the idea that you might have this whole um, lighting system to draw from. And, you know, and because uh, I'm actually a multimedia um, artist. So mm-hmm. I do some film. And so I eventually would like to um, utilize all of that in a performance without it taking over. Just have it, you know, organic and um, add a little drama. So mm-hmm. I do like the theater. Um, but it's nice to go to like, um, you know, a famous jazz club and then really... Uh, put on a, a smoking show where other like awesome artists have you know graced the stage. That's mm-hmm. exciting too. Where you know there's other echoes of their performances yeah. coming out of the walls. Well, it's all it's all oh, energy, yeah. energy that's still around. You know, it's it's uh, pretty incredible. What's coming up for you in terms of uh, plans, recordings, performances? I I see from Facebook, which you don't use all that often. I know, but, but other people use it on your behalf. I know they're po- they're like Chantel. Let's help you out with this. I, uh, yes, hopefully uh, someday I will join the 2019 um, <laughs> social media. Uh, um, okay, so well, I have um, April. Fourteenth uh, is Jazz Appreciation Day that we've uh, the Musicians Union and 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 lots of uh, hardworking people have organized. I will be closing that um, that uh, it's not really a day; it's actually a night. Mm-hmm. They, they they sort of got half their <laughs> budget, so it turned from a day to a night. Um, but I think it starts about five p.m. I'll be on it um, from nine to ten. Uh, Where's doing this? a set at Blue Martini, okay, April fourteenth. Um, then I'll be in uh, Homegrown, so Joe's Mill. It's a big uh, um, fundraiser for Joe's Mill um, that we talked about earlier, and uh, that's May fourth. And I think um, I'll be at Sizzle at like five p.m. 
And uh, what's after that? There's some other stuff coming up, but I, I guess I'll just learn how to post it. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to post it. <laughs> just got to get the time to post it. I'm just like a private it. person. We have run out of time on the show. Okay. And I thank you very much for coming yeah, in. I've enjoyed you, our conversation. Me too. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And all the best. You too. Theme music for the program is Stasis Oasis, a tune written and performed by Kingston musician Tim Aylesworth. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about any of our episodes, please send a note to the Kingstonian Podcast Facebook page. This is Dave Cunningham from Kingston, Ontario. Thank you for listening. Until next time.